Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi guys, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. And thank you for joining us once again for another episode of the Dead Parent Club podcast. Each week we'll be talking about what it's like to be members of the Dead Parent Club, chatting to brilliant guests about their grieving journeys and just trying to help you where we can, really. We'll also be hearing from people far more qualified than us, like counsellors, solicitors, medical professionals and mindfulness coaches, all on the topic of grief and looking after yourself. So welcome everyone to the Dead Parent Club. Oh, I'm excited about this week's episode, you know. I think it's good. It's going to be really good. Um, This week we're talking about grief and guilt, which we know so many of you struggle with. Yeah, I know it very, very well. Yeah. So you get the strength to kind of start enjoying your life again after you've lost a loved one and bang, like grief, guilt. And I think it comes in so many different waves and like in different areas and we all have to deal with it so differently as well yeah and it's like you almost get to a point where you feel like right I can think about life being normal I'm just about getting there and then you get guilt about thinking about life being normal without that person (laughs) literally (laughs) and for some people guilt is such a huge part of their story because of the circumstances so I just think to try and help us make sense of grief and guilt and everything in between. Today we are very lucky and blessed to be joined by clinical psychologist Dr. Tom Cliff. Now we are so excited, Kat's right, we're so excited to have you on Dr. Tom, so thank you so much for joining us. Now in case you're wondering why we're just calling you Dr. Tom, it's because the amount of qualifications and titles you had (laughs) makes it almost impossible to introduce you in full, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess. Please yeah. just call. Please just call me Tom. That, that's what people do. Okay, we'll go. We'll yeah. We'll go with Tom now. Cool. Um, obviously, as you know, on the Dead Parent Club podcast this week, we want to cover grief guilt. Can you just give mm. us a little bit about your background because you are our first guest of season two? So we want everyone listening right now to know who you are, so we can know how you're going to help us today. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, firstly, thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's a huge pleasure and privilege to be here. What you're doing is amazing. So important to, uh, you know, talk about grief and open up those conversations and maybe address some of the taboos there. You know, so important. There's so many of them. <laughs> there are, yeah, lots of taboos. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm a clinical psychologist. Um, I predominantly work in private practice now. Um, so I've set up my own practice. Um, I work a lot with children and adolescents and their families. 
um, uh, who may be experiencing mental health difficulties. I also work with adults and people across the lifespan as well, but there's something about working with kids and adolescents that mm. I just, I just love. Uh, it, it just, it just, uh, it's just really satisfying work. Um, mm. And I learn a lot from them as well, from the clients I work with. Before, before I set up my private practice, I've, I've worked at the University of Leeds as well as a, as a lecturer there. So um I um I lectured people on the clinical psychology training program, so training clinical psychologists in all sorts of different stuff. Love that job, super privileged to be able to do it. Um, but recently I've decided to move on from that. So uh how can I help? Goodness. Uh <laughs> I speak to people about guilt probably every week. Not always necessarily in relation to grief, although sometimes in relation to grief, but guilt is a huge thing. You know, we all feel it. We're human mm -hmm. beings. We all feel guilt and we all feel guilt in relation to lots of different things. And guilt can sometimes become really debilitating um, mm -hmm. and really all consuming and really affect us in our mental health. So it, it, yeah, it comes up every week. I mean, I'm one voice, I'm one perspective. People who are grieving and experiencing guilt, they're the experts in their experiences, mm. really. And, and my role really is to kind of sit with those experiences and explore them with people and listen to what they want and need. Um, mm. I, I think that's, that's one of the primary roles of a clinical psychologist, really, rather yeah. than just assuming we know everything, you know, we're the experts, this is how it should be. Grief and guilt doesn't work like that. So before we kind of dive straight into the conversation, I just want to say to anybody that's listening, if you resonate with anything that we've spoken about today, or if you want to get in touch with us, um, you can drop us an email at hello at deprankclub.co.uk or reach out to us on social and let us know if you enjoyed the episode, because I'm sure Tom and myself and Emma would love to know that it's been useful for you. Absolutely. And I think, yeah. Tom, if it's okay with you, before we start asking you questions about guilt and grief guilt particularly, I think it's really important to just hear from you, Kat, first about your experience of grief guilt. What are the things that have made you feel most guilty, either about before your mum passing, during it or after? Grief guilt comes in a lot of different stages when it comes to loss. So you kind of have the guilt about how you behaved before they passed. So for myself, you know, I was I was 20. So even when my mum was, you know, very close to dying, one, I was like, my mum's not going to die. That'd be stupid. But two, I was out partying. I was at uni. Like I remember like being on a night out and texting my parents asking for money like oh, 10 days before my mum had died. And I look back and I'm like, so selfish like what is wrong with you but then you have all those kind of emotions and not spending not spending enough time with them before they died but then after they've died you've then got a whole other game of like ball game when it comes to guilt of like trying to enjoy your life but feeling guilty that you're enjoying it and then also feeling guilty that they can't enjoy the life that they should be living now and it just uh, just comes with so many different emotions like I think everybody's experience is different as well. Like, you know, we'll talk about yours as well, Emma, but, you know, I've talked to people who didn't have a good relationship with their parent before they died and they live with that kind of burden and people that had an argument, people that passed away when they weren't there, they weren't expecting it. And I just think there's so many different things to navigate with guilt and grief. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think 
Um, similarly to you, Kat, because obviously I was 18, we were similar ages. I was doing mm. the same kind of thing. I was going out, having a good time, continuing my life. And it was only five days before mum died, as I've said, that I thought, oh God, mum is going to die. Mm. And I think a lot of my guilt comes from, because mum was so young, um, she was 48 when she died. And I have guilt when I think about all the life she missed out on all the events that she's missing out on. I have a beautiful nephew. Um, I have, mm. you know, I, I, there's another baby on the way in the summer. I'm going to be an auntie again. And I think about all those things. And I think about the life she never got to live because it got mm. cut short. And I think in many ways that can propel you to go out and live that life for yourself and for her. But it can also be tinged with guilt because you're seeing all the things that I know she never got to see really um and also I was a teenager and I probably wasn't always the best kid growing up and I remember arguments that I had with mum and I'm very regretful oh, yeah. that haunted yeah and you think to yourself we're in the stages of life now and over the last few years where I think the relationship I would have had with my mum would have been stronger than ever because there's an element of understanding and you get to know each other in a very different way you're not the child as in you're not a dependent anymore you can do things together that allow your relationship to bond more and you probably become more similar because as you mature you see the world in a different way and I know that before my mum passed away she was quite upset and told my nana I just want to be a good mum and a good daughter and it mm -hmm. hurts me that she passed thinking she wasn't those things yeah. and I'm sure that those kinds of things that have been said um, while the person was alive, I'm sure that's a common theme throughout um, guilt. Definitely. Um, obviously, Tom, you work with people who have guilt for all sorts of different reasons. Mm. But in terms of bereavement guilt, um, what me and Kat said there, is it quite common? Yeah, like, like really common and really natural and really normal. So many people I've worked with who have been grieving have experienced guilt. It's such a normal thing. Um, and it will probably link to something that we come on to, which is self-compassion in relation mm. to guilt. And one of the first steps really is to recognise how normal it is. It doesn't necessarily make it go away or make it less painful, but just to normalise it, I think, is a really important thing to do and not not beat yourself up for feeling guilty. Mm. I think... Somebody that I was talking to in the kind of grief community about this recently, they kind of mentioned that our grief guilt could stem from the fact that we would rather get caught up in those feelings of regret than face the reality of the loss mm. that we that we that we're experiencing. And I, from my point of view, I, I ne I'd never thought about it like that before, and I was like, wow, that's actually it can be a coping mechanism. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, the, the, there's a, there's a function to all, all the feelings that we experience, and um, there's a function to the guilt we experience. I mean, that could be something like actually stopping us connecting with the other feelings that are going mm. on, um, or the function could be to punish ourselves. You mm. know, if if we're if we're feeling negatively about ourselves and maybe the things we did or didn't do. Um, that can, that, that's a common function of guilt that, um, that I talk to people about, you know, that it can be there to beat ourselves up as well. I also think a lot of people, particularly if the parent or relative has endured a long illness, mm. a lot of people that I've spoken to almost feel like a weight has been lifted because they're 
no yeah. longer in pain and they deem it selfish but also sometimes your life is put on hold when you are when when a person is really dependent on you yeah. your life you know is put on hold and i know people feel guilt for that and again it's important that we normalize not just the guilt but that it's okay i think isn't it to feel that element of relief that's something i've experienced um in, in my personal life both my granddads went through really debilitating illnesses mm. that last a long time when they passed it was incredibly sad mm. but there you know there were also these other complex feelings of relief and um not happiness but almost just there was a positive element to it because they weren't suffering anymore. But, you know, the human brain to, to reconcile with all those feelings is it's really difficult, isn't it? It's just mm. how do you get your head around that? Well, I'm, there are these positive aspects to it, but it's really, really tough and sad <laughs> at the same really time. Right? I don't have the answer to that. But, yeah. you know, it, it, as you say, Emma, it, it's, about, it's about allowing yourself to feel that. It's really difficult and challenging if, if we view our feelings as invalid. You know, especially yeah. if, especially if we were, ha if we're, if we're having them and really feeling them, then they're always valid in my book. From your point of view, it's quite a big question. This, but like, why do you think guilt plays such a prevalent part in all of our grief journeys? I feel like everybody at some point has experienced mm. some form of of guilt in their, you know, in this in this journey. And I think for some people, it lasts a very, very long time as well. I think that um, guilt kind of in, in general situations, it may allow us to sort of reflect on the situation and our actions, and it may lead to some kind of resolution or repair or an apology. Um, not that it has to, but there's the potential there. I think that's one thing that can come from guilt. Um, mm. And that can happen with grief, absolutely, and grief guilt. But with grief... Um, the person isn't physically there to resolve yeah. it or to repair it. And that is just a really hard circle to square. How do you comprehend that? Because that when you lose someone, you know, in many, in many ways, even though we don't want life to go on without them, it does. And mm. grief mm. is heavy. It's a heavy, heavy weight that you carry around. So and I know you said was we'll talk about you know, self-compassion, Tom, mm. where do you start? You accept the feelings. You go, I accept grief, guilt is a thing. Where do you go from there with it? Because you can't speak to the person. I think one of the first steps is, as you say, to to move towards some kind of acceptance of how, how you're feeling um, and all these complex feelings that you're having. An acceptance isn't to to kind of forget what's happened. Um, it's just to kind of connect with and maybe explore and try and understand a bit more about the feelings that are happening. And I, I, I think that's such a I think that's such a fundamental part of the work we do when, when people are grieving and to to allow them to feel how they feel and have their valid feelings. Certainly historically, sort of a lot's been said about how people grieve and maybe the stages they'll go through mm. or maybe what they should be feeling and hey yeah if if your experience is going through through certain stages that's perfectly valid as well but that not everyone experiences it that way so creating a safe space 
to sit with those feelings, to explore those feelings, to understand them, to tolerate them. Um, that That's a really important first step because grieving and grief is a traumatic process. And that's that's so fundamental to to connect with. I think it's a trauma. It's a huge, huge trauma. People understandably may want to avoid those feelings. And, you know, as we're saying, the guilt, the guilt may may mask some of those feelings as well. Again, that's that's you haven't done anything wrong. That may just be what the guilt's doing at that moment in time. By kind of creating a safe space, like how would you recommend that people kind of create that space? Because I think, you know, would it be mm. talking to people? Would it be kind of actionably doing something like tangible, like writing a letter to their, you know, parent or something. The first step in that is almost the physical space that you're in. You know, mm. it's it's feeling safe in your environment to be able to sit and maybe explore some of these things. You know, so it's the environment you're in, maybe it's the people who are around you. And I guess not not putting pressure on yourself to feel a certain way or to achieve a certain thing by connecting with these feelings or sitting with them. That links with self-compassion as well, I guess, because it would almost defeat the point if you're putting pressure on yourself to feel a certain way or almost pressure to be self-compassionate as well, which, mm. <laughs> which um, <laughs> you know. It can be stressful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not being self-compassionate Must look enough. after myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God. That um, idea of being in a safe space and that being, you know, someone around you kind of feeds into my next question because... If you lose a loved one, a significant loved one at a young age, someone that's had a real profound impact on your life, and with that comes the guilt and other feelings like shame, and in turn mm. then low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. I think that can, or in my experience, it can affect the kind of relationships that you form with romantic partners and with friends. Mm-hmm. And um, I know from my experience, I certainly spent quite some time compromising what I felt I deserved because of this guilt that I carried around and the shame. And I feel like that is maybe an aspect of the aftermath of grief at a young age that we don't talk about a lot is the fact Mm -hmm. that our self-esteem and identity is so fundamentally damaged after that, that it takes a long time. It feels to build back up your self-worth. Is that something you've experienced a lot? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, adolescence is a time of identity development. That's sort of a key key part of that stage of life. Um, Not just for adolescence. I mean, identity is developing all the time, but adolescence is such a key time for it. You know, you're learning about who you are, you're learning about your place in the world, you're learning about your place in, um, you know, in society or in social Mm. groups. Um, It's a really tumultuous time and grief that occurs during adolescence can really disrupt that process. Um, and and as you say, Emma, make you know have a really sort of long lasting impact. I think you're right. I think it's not something that's necessarily thought about um, as much as it needs to be. How important identity development is around this time. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. If just one of your parents has died and you've still got the other one, um, is kind of helping them with their grief. So I know that my dad has experienced mm. feelings of guilt when anything and anything joyous happens in the family, you know. And I know that at my graduation and stuff, I know that my dad is feeling he he's admitted to me before, you know, he's felt like, why am I here and she isn't? And I think. Mm. How do you kind of support a parent with those kind of feelings? Because I imagine it's something that, you know, I'm I'm kind of lucky that my dad has expressed that to me once before, so I know that that's a thing. But I bet a lot of people's parents have never actually expressed that emotion to the children before. It's sort of, it's making me think of survivor guilt. It's, it's mm, kind of that, yeah, that, that, that's, yeah, definitely. that aspect of guilt, isn't it? You know, why am yeah. I still here? What, what? How come I'm the lucky one? And yeah, with parents, they may have their own kind of beliefs or values to, to, you know, which are perfectly normal and admirable, but to, you know, be the, be the strong force for, for the kids, yeah. you know, and, and maybe, maybe to hold on to what they're feeling and, and try and compartmentalize that as, as much as they can. What I probably would say is that, is that parents need support as well. And they probably need their safe space to explore yeah. all of this. And the guilt may be, for for a for a child um sort of driving them to maybe support their parents as well and again that's normal that's natural it's perfectly understandable it's not their res- their responsibility you know it, they, it it may feel like it is but it's not mm-hmm. fully their responsibility to to also manage their parents feeling but a feeling that nobody wants guilt doesn't half creep into no. every single oh. aspect of everyone the, the more that we're talking about it the more that i'm thinking of ways where grief has like impacted like situations Absolutely. and guilt, sorry, situations. And yeah, it's, it's mad. It's so difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, our, our rational brain, the, the big old chunky frontal lobe that we've evolved <laughs> can, can go, well, I know that this guilt doesn't actually have the power to change what's happened. Like it, unfortunately it doesn't. And our rational brain can, can say that, but the, the feelings that we have can still remain. We can still have that guilt. Mm. I feel like I might be a bit unusual in this because it's something mm-hmm. I don't often say. But Shock. My, yeah. <laughs> Ta-da! But my mum, uh, she died of cancer. And yet after she died, I blamed myself and thought mm. I must have in some way, completely irrational. I, I know that. But I truly thought in some way I must have done that. What did I do that meant my mum got cancer? Mm. Have you met anyone who's felt the same? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, again, Ooh. yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I'm cursed. Um, I think I, I, I always say I'm cursed. Like my family is riddled with illnesses, and I'm like, it's me. <laughs> Must be. I'm the catalyst. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. 
it's it's a really again a really normal part of of the of the grief and the guilt i think um it's so yeah. so interesting like to um, unpack and what about people who um because i know people who either through choice or the choice being removed from them from them couldn't be there at the very moment that parent was passing um mm. and to a degree uh, my nana who stepped into my mum's shoes um passed away in june last year which meant mm. that uh, for her final days i wasn't able to be there when they rang to say she was dying right now and her eyes were closed we were able to be there but i never got that final bit with her and that hurts a lot because she yeah. would have been at my bedside through thick and thin. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people with COVID this year, you know, a lot of people have experienced that, haven't they, when they haven't been able to be with the parent that's died. But also, but also people who have gone, I don't want to see my parent like this. I want to mm. remember them a different way. But then afterwards yeah. have felt guilty that they haven't been there. Yeah. Yeah. COVID's just added an extra layer to, well, just to everything, hasn't it? Um, mm. It's the right shitter. Yeah, <laughs> basically, yeah, yeah. and um, that's just really devastating, isn't it? That 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 it stopped you being there um, when potentially pre-COVID you may have been able to be there. So there's that as well, isn't there? There's, mm. well, there was a potential. There's an anger. Take, there's there's an take, an yeah, anger. there's an anger. Mm. It was take, it's taken away from me in some way. I'm thinking of um, of something that we sort of touched on a little bit before, which which is writing a letter. Um, mm. And I'm not saying this is, you know, for everyone, but sort of maybe maybe writing a letter to to the person who's who's passed away, maybe um, sort of writing what what you would have done in that situation or said in that situation, and it, you know, in in therapy we use a sort of a lot of um, imaginal techniques, so maybe sort of imagining if you know if you could have been there, what would you have done? What would you have said? Mm. How would you have felt? And almost sort of trying to, to trying to play play that out, that can be helpful for some people. Obviously, it doesn't. You know, how how can it ever replace what what potentially could have been? But I guess again, it's about it's about connecting with with the, with all of the feelings there, including the anger, Emma, that you mentioned as well, because that you know that's that's a huge part of guilt. In some way, trying to trying to connect with the loss, connect with the lost experiences and the experiences that weren't expected. And that you didn't want and spending some time with them and just to clarify anger is a normal part of guilt grief isn't it oh, great. oh yeah. <laughs> massively massively yeah yeah <laughs> i am um, i did i did like a post on the on the uh, instagram page for the podcast the other day and it said um why did nobody think to warn me that grief has a friend and that friend's name is guilt and mm. somebody else commented on it and said, um, you can add another friend to that pile and it's anger. <laughs> I was like, that's so true. Yeah. Like it is like grief, guilt, anger, like you're, you can and, be angry at everything. Also, yeah. this sounds horrible, but almost a resentment to other relatives that mm. if they want to be there for you, no, you're not that person. So what, what it, it's, and that's awful because thank God. And then you feel guilty about feeling it. like that. And then you feel guilty it. about that. And it's like, yeah. oh, isn't this a fun cycle to be <laughs> Grief. Yeah. Anger, guilt, yeah. <laughs> like a hamster yeah. wheel. I'm, I'm feeling guilt. I'm feeling angry because yeah. of that. But then I'm feeling guilty for feeling guilty angry. For the anger, yeah. Oh. <laughs> hamster wheel of pain. <laughs> Yikes, yeah. We got a um, a few questions from listeners for this episode. And ah. I think two of them will actually lean really nicely into your comments about self-compassion and stuff. Because I think that is kind of the key to kind of helping yourself out of this grief 
guilt yeah, pit hole. Yeah, it's a big, big thing, I think. Yeah. So the two that I think will, will probably be really kind of useful to answer with that would, were um, how can I let grief go and carry on making new memories in my life without my parent there? And how do you manage the guilt that you feel? There's a phrase we use in clinical psychology and and it's, um, this isn't either or, it's a both and. Mm. Um, and that phrase can apply to lots of different things. It can apply to maybe when we're thinking in quite a black and white way about something. So it's either or actually, um, it's often a both and. So I kind of think about that with grief and happiness as well mm. um, and guilt that if we decide to to move forward and maybe rebuild and 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 grow again then then i see happiness and grief as a both and you can feel both mm. happy and you can be grieving it goes back to what we've been saying quite a lot i guess which is you can you can feel happy even when you're grieving and that's perfectly valid if you're feeling happy you're feeling happy <laughs> um, and you don't have to judge yourself for that um mm. i i can understand why you might but you don't have to and you know, sadness and happiness can always be linked as well. You know, you get that sort of bit of sweet feeling. Mm. Um, With anything kind of, good that happens in my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's kind of that. Um, they don't exist um, separately and they don't have to. Um, but I guess it's giving yourself permission to feel all of those things. And mm. sometimes for some people, um, thinking about what, what the person who uh, the person who's who's been lost would want for them can be helpful. Um, not always, but some people really, um, really kind of hold on to that thought that actually the person who's gone would would want mm. some happiness there at least <laughs> for for the person who's left. You know, I think that's a really good point, actually. And it's something I've taken quite a lot of comfort in with something my Nana would always say is, as long as you're happy, I'm happy. Mm. And even though I carry guilt anywhere, you just do regardless. That does give me some comfort. But you're right, I guess not everybody um, has that same experience. This is a bit of a weird question. And you don't, you, you know, I don't know if you even can answer it. But I think when you find yourself in like the depths of grief and you're really beating yourself mm. up, mm. it's hard to understand why you actually deserve to be happy. Mm -hmm. So please, can you tell anyone that's listening to this now mm. who's experiencing great grief and guilt, actually why it's okay, why they actually deserve to be happy? It's easier said than done uh, in, in the moment. It really is. So, you know, it, it's not easy. When I was working at the university, um, the, the clinical psychology team, the training team there, um, big shout out to them, just amazing people. One of the mottos we had, um, which applied to um, sort of the work that we do with people as clinical psychologists, one of the mottos we had was that you are a human being. <laughs> and it sounds so simple. <laughs> And it is simple, I guess, but you're a human being working with other human beings, i.e. don't think you're all high and mighty and powerful because you have qualifications <laughs> or you know, you know stuff. Obviously, that stuff can help people, but fundamentally, you are a human being connecting and working with other human beings. And that will get you everywhere you need to go in your career and, and in your life. Why do you deserve to be happy? You deserve to be happy because it's a fundamental need and it's a fundamental need of being human and you deserve that. 
You absolutely deserve that. Preach, Dr. Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think basically it'd be great if we can summarize this in three lovely points, Dr. Tom. If you can think of your top three bits of advice for Ooh. anybody struggling with grief guilt right now, what would they be? They don't have to be anything existential. Don't worry, I won't put it on the slot. Like <laughs> um, Leave that bit to me. <laughs> um, okay. Point number one going to sound like a broken record but it's so important all your feelings are valid nice. the feelings you're having are your feelings don't let anyone tell you otherwise or question them allow yourself to be with them explore them try not to be afraid of them again easier said than done mm. but they're there to be explored and connected with and mm. you can see what you want to do with them um i think that's a really important step with grief and guilt point number two be kind to yourself. Uh, you know, we talked about self-compassion quite a lot. Again, easier said than done. It takes practice. It takes time. Sometimes I'm really poor at self-compassion, mm. which again, defeats the point. If I'm crit criticizing myself for that, but it is hard. It's hard. Mm. It takes time and it you know, changes over time. Depends what's going on. But, but ultimately, only you can forgive yourself and ultimately only you can move on from the guilt or, or, or navigate it. Mm. Um, obviously you have people around you, people to support you that they're there and the support, you know, if, if you want it. Um, and that's really important. Um, but ultimately only you can be kind to yourself and forgive yourself for the guilt and, uh, and for what, what, what may have happened. Can I, can I have four? Can I, can my, yeah, my number, knock, my, num my, <laughs> my number, we'll my number, my number three is, um, is your, your human being. Okay. Mm. I think that that's fundamental. Yeah. Number four is if, if you feel like, uh, you know, moving forward, maybe wanting to let, let go a little bit of what, of what's happened. Remember that, that doing that is, is not forgetting what's mm. happened. Um, it's it's not forgetting, and there are so many different ways to 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 move forward and to let go that that still allows you to keep that person in your life. And um, if if you if you grow and you develop and you do move forward, the grief may still be there in some way, uh, mm. and it won't be forgotten. I love that. That's so important. Such a and monumental point to finish on. It is. And it's also like, um, you know, there'll be people probably listening to this right now going, grief guilt is just going to be debilitating for me mm -hmm. forever. And actually, just to know that one with baby steps, like that voice, that voice, that, the, the voice mm -hmm. of guilt, it can get quieter and mm -hmm. a happier voice is able to be. And I've experienced that myself, Kat, of you, that even though you feel the guilt, I can manage it now. I can understand that this is inevitable. Guilt comes with grief, but I'm at a place in my life where I'm able to move forward and allow that guilt, that voice of guilt, but also allow myself to be happy. Yeah, I feel like with anything, you know, we say grief comes in waves. I think grief guilt will come with those waves. Um, mm. It's another one of those things we can't escape from it. It won't magically disappear. Mm. Um, but I think, like Tom said, you know, having self-compassion and just, treating yourself like a human being and accepting that what is is 
we can mm. kind of try and make it a little bit less debilitating over time, hopefully. But, and yeah, also I mean, accepting the fact that it's pretty damn shit that for yourself, that you've lost someone that you mm. love so much. Like, yeah. give yeah. yourself an, a hug. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, the, it's a, it's traumatic. It's a trauma. It's mm. it's one of the most significant traumatic things you can experience as a human. You mm. know, absolutely. Well, I thank you so much. Yeah, thank Ooh. you for your time. It's brilliant. <laughs> thank you so much for being our first guest on season two of the Dead Parent Club podcast. Yeah, really. Tom. Thank you so much. Really honestly, it's been an absolute privilege. Again, anybody that's that's been listening and you know you resonate with something or you want to just get in touch and let us know your own experience, um, don't forget that you can reach out by emailing us at hello at deadparentclub.co.uk or find us on Instagram at deadparentclubpodcast and we're on Facebook and Twitter too. Yes. And thank you for joining the three of us. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 